Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Margaret Alger and Jessica Kidda to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. So ladies, I, I understand that y'all are quite a duo together. So go ahead and introduce yourselves to us so our audience can learn about you. <laughs> I, I'm just, I just go first since I'm elementary. I am Margaret <laughs> Alger. I teach at Riverbend Elementary School in Elkton, Virginia. Okay. And I am Jessica Kidda and I am the librarian at Elkton Middle School in Elkton, Virginia. Okay. And in our previous conversations, I learned that y'all are kind of your feeder school. So Margaret's elementary right. school feeds, feeds into Jessica's middle school. Right. Um, so ladies, just a little bit. I haven't had a lot of Virginia librarians. So if you would, could you briefly just tell us, like, how do you become a school librarian in, in Virginia? So my in my experience, you um, teach for a few years in the classroom okay. and then uh, go on to get your master's degree, which I did from through a university here in Virginia. Okay. Um, and then you're certified to be a librarian. I got my library job before I finished my master's degree, but I had enough credits um, to go ahead and get started. And I know, now I know Jessica became a librarian a little bit later than I did. So I'm not sure if her experience was any different. Okay, what's your route, Jessica? So my experience, I too was a classroom teacher first I was a classroom teacher for six years and I also got my library position before I was endorsed in school librarianship and I they hired me on a provisional as a school librarian and I had three years to complete the endorsement because I already had a master's degree in elementary education I did not have to get an additional master's to be a librarian I just had to take the classes for endorsement, which was almost the equivalent of another master's. Right. I believe it was, you know, two classes shy or something of another master's degree. Okay. But it was very helpful to be able to already be in a library when doing my classes. That was yeah. very helpful. <laughs> I agree. It was it made your assignments much more productive when you could actually be in your library and using your experience at the same mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Now you both said the word endorsement. Is there also like a, a like a state certification exam or anything you have to take? Just the course. No, I think I think it was just the exam to get the master's degree. That was the only test okay. I had to really take. Okay. Okay. Some and states have like a, a certification exam, you know, that's above and beyond, you know. In Virginia, you do have to have a valid Virginia State teaching license to okay. be a librarian. And so for that there are certification exams. We have yeah. the praxis being the most common. And then depending on what you're teaching, you may also need a few other tests for endorsements as well. But yes, you do have to hold a valid Virginia State teaching license to be a school okay. librarian. Okay, so that's kind of the foundation for it all. Then. Right. That makes sense, good deal. All right, so a lot of my audience are early career people just starting out, you know, and and like some like you some of them may not be through with their education part of it yet and when you started um so what kind of stories do you remember from when you were starting out uh -huh. i i um i like that the audience is young up and coming enthusiastic teacher librarians coming into the library field i think that is awesome because i feel like i'm the old librarian now like i have 
been a librarian for over 20 years. Um, my first library job was at a really small um, elementary school. It, it probably had less than 200 students. And so it was an amazing experience because it was just like joining a family. So it was really cool. And, you know, I got to do, um, got to get my foot into how to do literature, but also uh, take steps into using technology. Instructional okay. technology was becoming a thing back then. I actually worked with two kindergarten teachers who were on the cutting edge of, of educational technology. So that was really the coolest experience of my library beginning career was doing literature, but also branching out into educational technology. Okay, neat. And do you, like, I'm just curious, what was the ed tech back then? Like, what was the? Oh, it was really, I like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was this little um, Apple green. It looked like a miniature laptop. And that's what they yeah. were using in kindergarten at that time. Like, it was so cutting edge for what yeah. they were doing. And then we moved into, um, I remember the first smart board coming into the library tripping over the stand and tripping over the cords and tripping over the projector and then iPads. Okay. Yes. All right. And so Jessica, what about you? So I would describe my first few years in the library. The phrase I like to use is it was the hardest fun I've ever had. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and I often joke and I even tell my students because many of them came from Margaret. I always tell them that I want to be Miss Alger when I grow up. Um, no, please. <laughs> I've yet to grow up, but yes, she does. I've yet to grow up. <laughs> so it's probably why I relate so well to middle schoolers. Uh. Yes. Amen. The hardest fun I ever had because I learned so much in those first few years and I'm still learning and, but it was a challenge in a way that I enjoyed. I, okay. I enjoyed being challenged and every day was a new chance to problem solve. And like Margaret said, with Ed tech is one of my big things in the library. I think Margaret and I both are really kind of on the, the cutting edge, even still of incorporating education into technology and helping people in our building incorporate technology to the extent of having it enhance instruction, not just using technology for the sake of using it, but if we can find a way that technology enhances what we're doing and making it better, Margaret and I are going to find a way to do that. Right. It's going to engage the kids so much more. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Have y'all heard of the triple E framework? That, that I'm not familiar with that. I've, I've tried to look up the E's real quick because I haven't, right. I haven't looked at it recently. Um, triple E framework. It's, it's the, um, it's a way to kind of like evaluate tools. I'm almost there online. Um, See, where are the E's? Okay, so the E's are engage, enhance, and extend. Oh, I like that. Like, I like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it has like a really cool rubric that lets you kind of walk through, like, this is our new tool. I want to make sure that it is engaging, that it right. is enhancing, and it is extending uh, their learning. And so it, it kind of takes you through that where you score it, like, yes or no, you know, that kind of a thing. But then you find out if it's really going to be worth your time, you know, so that you're not right. just doing technology just for technology, you know, but it's very, very purposeful. Um, I, I'm going to put a link to that triple E framework in the in the show notes for anybody who wants to, to look it up. But it's just a good yeah. way to, to think through technology. Not like I remember the old days, it would be like, uh, maybe on your evaluation or something, the principal would check off. Yep. Use technology. You know, well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> 
that's not enough. Oh, right. <laughs> Definitely not enough. All right. And I find that today, since students are using technology so frequently in the classrooms, that I try to be very cognizant of, am I using technology to actually enhance the lesson or make the lesson stronger? Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not going to use the technology because right. they kind of need a break sometimes yes. from that. Yes. We love a lot of builder maker challenges right. that don't always involve technology. I have a right. funny story, though, yeah. from one of my first years. So one of my first years in the library and the student comes in and they have all this money and you know permission forms and things and they're like here you go what's this for and they said my teacher said to bring it and I said well what do you mean bring out your teacher my teacher told me to bring it to you I said well what did your teacher say (laughs) they said bring it to the bookkeeper Uh, uh, (laughs) um, that sounds like a joke that's good so what they meant, honey, was that you wanted to go to Miss Longer in the front office, but I can see why you might think yeah. that. <laughs> that is cute. Good learning times. So. <laughs> okay. All right. So Margaret and Jessica, is when you think back, is there anything somebody could have told you, you know, some really good advice that would have made a big difference to you starting out or something that could have helped you? Hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think having that classroom experience, like I can't imagine being a librarian without having classroom experience. Cause mm-hmm. I think when I became a teacher, there was so many things I felt like I had to learn on my own. But then when I became a librarian, I don't think, um, I felt really comfortable. And I felt like, like Jessica said, the, the hard, the challenges were fun challenges. Like mm-hmm. you were learning as you went, but it wasn't, it wasn't um, icky. It was good yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah, so I can't, I mean, Jessica might have something to share. My advice just to young professionals now, and it was advice that was given to me would be uh, in this day and age, I highly recommend creating a social media presence in a positive way and following other library professionals to yeah create a professional learning community because generally you are the only one in your building. Very rarely is there more than one librarian. You don't often get to meet with everyone in the district. So you don't have a team every day to plan with like most teachers do. So creating a social media presence where you can interact with other professionals, bounce ideas off of other professionals, get ideas is a great thing. And it's a great way to advocate for your programs because most people you know, the top things I get asked that make me want to roll my eyes are, <laughs> you have to have a degree to do this. And, uh, oh, it must be nice to sit there and read books all day. So right. mm-hmm. creating that online presence lets you advocate for your program, showcase what you're doing and connect with other professionals mm-hmm. so that you can build your toolbox of ideas. Yeah, good points. Very good points. Right. And another thing is um, kind of, companion to that is be aware of your teachers and anything you can do to make their life easier because especially coming from that classroom background you kind of understand the pressures that they're under and um, you build those partnerships so always be looking for ways that you can connect with teachers even if it's something as simple as um, you're taking a book that they wanted, check it out and take it down to their room. Sometimes it's just yeah. those small services that make a huge impact in your school's 
um, environment, positive mm -hmm. culture. Yeah, that's a good point about bringing in the, the, the school culture, you know, with that. Um, yeah, because we are a big part of that, or we can be a big part of that. Right. And I, I, yeah, I feel like sometimes we talk about the library being a hub because we're talking about the learning, but I think also when it comes to just the emotional feel of a school, mm -hmm. how you interact in your library and how you interact beyond your library does lend a lot to how things feel in your school system. Yeah, very good point. All right, so this year has been, a, to me, kind of like a year of transition, getting back in the groove, you know, with things. So what have you worked on this year that's really kind of made this be a great year for everything to get going again? <laughs> oh, a great year. We had to be flexible. <laughs> I think everybody did, but um, I think one of the things was I had to realize that it was, I was grateful to have kids back in the library and grateful for books to be back off of my shelves and grateful for the chaos that came back. Okay. <laughs> because some days I actually put a post on at the beginning of the year, something about messy shelves and, and things that were going on. And I'm like, I'm so thankful because mm -hmm. we were so glad to get that connection um, with children and teachers again. That was so positive. I mean, it was stressful, but it was very positive in that way. Mm -hmm. Embrace the chaos. I love the chaos. I, <laughs> crazy. I love the chaos. So I too was so excited to have my babies back in my library yes. this year because it was just, oh, I hated not having them the way we wanted to last year. So my big goal is to get them in the space. So I've tried to do things to make my space more engaging this year. Uh, yeah. I have a basketball goal in here that hangs over <laughs> the doors. So the morning they come play basketball, I, I put in a dartboard, but I'm not, I mean, with all due respect. He's the bravest librarian also. They are rubber darts. Uh, okay. And they go, Miss Kiddo, why can't we have real darts? I'm like, guys, get yourselves. What part of you thinks that real darts would be a good idea? And right. they, uh, they love the dartboard. And there's a little mini pool table that I had no idea would be as popular as it is. Uh, the, the cue ball is currently lost. And so I have a competition that the first person to find the cue ball gets candy. So we'll see if it turns up. Uh, and that is all for morning choice. When they come in the mornings, it's open before school. They can come in and hang out, couches, they play basketball, they play pool, they play darts. And it's a great way to start building those relationships because once they have a relationship with the library, they are more willing to come in for the academic aspect. But mm -hmm. I worked on building that, that trust and that space first. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That's good. Yeah. Good advice there. All right, ladies. So I know y'all, y'all do a lot of work together. You're working on getting your kids ready, you know, from elementary to middle school, even to pass them on to the high school. So let's talk a little bit about the idea of future ready libraries. What does that mean to you? Wow. That just, it just seems so big and beyond me. <laughs> she is being way too humble because 90% of what I do, I've adapted from her. So don't okay. let her fool you with her humility. Yeah, whatever. I, I think too, like when one of the things I noticed about when kids came back is they were so ready to come back and hold books mm. and talk about books again. So, you know, when you think future ready, you think sometimes you think beyond um, 
those old books. Yeah. Like for me, it was, I've always talking to the kids about when you read, hopefully you're doing it because you want to do it. You're doing it for pleasure or you're doing it to get information about things that you want to know about mm-hmm. or want to learn about. So let's pick things that you want to read about and let me know what kinds of things you want to read about so that I can make sure I have them. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's one of the future ready things is like these reading skills, which some of them weren't strengthened during the pandemic. They just didn't have access to those materials or they didn't spend time with books. I still remember a kid walking in the first time back and just standing in front of a bookcase and just like breathe. It was like he was breathing oh, in. Yeah. It was like, oh, it's books again. Oh. So, so that's one of the positive things I've seen about us coming back. And the importance of a library is the teachers are teaching them how to read or hopefully offering them all of the access to what they can read mm-hmm. and become lifelong readers. So for me, that's one of the future ready things. Okay. And we also work on, um, we do a lot of stuff with social, emotional um, learning and collaboration. You know, just today I did something with fifth grade. Um, there was a group that was really struggling. One boy was, um, really trying to get his point across the other part of the group wasn't listening you know just I had an activity I had a goal but it ended up turning around us working on conflict mediation and and how they had trouble listening to him because of how he his tone and you know just having this conversation about getting along with each other so we do a lot of things with that with cooperation and and just being aware of how we treat each other as human beings. Yeah. yeah it's a space for it because we do a lot of, you know, interactive things. Mm-hmm. So you're really thinking about like them as future adults, you know, future yeah, people. I, that's society. what I tell them. When they were trying to trade teams, you know, I had this really cool, you know, like handing them cards, you know, so I had them all mixed up and then they were trading the cards. And I was like, you know, guys, in the real world, you don't get to choose who you get to work with all the time. Sometimes you have to. So, you know, my lesson went out the window. <laughs> it's okay. We're working on how to be um, good humans. Yeah. Very important. Yes, we're trying. <laughs> we continue to build on that in middle school. I've had discussions with multiple classes now. I've pulled up for them. We talked about what do we think are the things that when you leave here and one day you're going to leave school and you're going to enter the workforce? Uh, mm-hmm. What are some of the things we think employers look for? And I pull up for them some research that was done. And the top five skills that employers look for are critical thinking and problem solving, teamwork mm-hmm. and collaboration, professionalism and strong work, work ethic, oral and written communication skills, and leadership. And I say, guys, notice that not nowhere on there does it say 4.0 GPA, high test scores. And that's not to say that those things aren't important, but we can get you there. You can, no matter what you do, you can learn the thing, whatever the thing is. But being a critical thinker and a problem solver is something that takes practice. So in my library, we, like Margaret, do a lot of activities that build on that. We do a lot of, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Breakout EDU. Yeah, definitely. We do tons of breakouts. I, I love them dearly so much that I'm, I'm almost at the point where I'm sick of them because we've done them now, but the kids are still engaged and that's a great activity that's to yeah. create that teamwork, collaboration, critical thinking, and problem solving. So future ready doesn't always mean 
the most tech savvy of these kids are digital natives that they technology is not difficult for them to understand at this point. They understand it. Now I need to teach them how to appropriately use that and build them into critical thinkers, problem solvers and collaborators. Yeah. Yeah. That collaboration piece, we really work hard at that just because we know that that's how you build a strong family. That's how you build a strong work environment. Um, That's how you keep friendships. It's just being able to do those cooperative things. So we work hard on that. Mm -hmm. And they've struggled because they, uh, many of them did not come in the building at all last year. Some of them interacted with no one during COVID. So those interaction skills, we are really having to yeah. reach each an executive function. It's just something that they need. Right. Yep. To work Jessica, on. Thinking about like your eighth graders, Jessica, were they with you at all? Like in sixth grade or so, or when they were, I had them for the first three, nine weeks, COVID shut down right as the last grading okay. period came around. So I did have my eighth graders then. And then of course, last year we were mostly online. And then in November, we came back on a hybrid schedule and then we came back more, but some chose to stay right. online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Rebuilding gonna be, connections. Yeah. It's, it's really going to be vital. You know, just there's so much that was missed out on, you know, during this time besides right. academics, besides academics. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, I used to do an exercise with librarians on like the elementary thinking about what they wanted their fifth graders to be, you know, as they moved into to middle school and middle schoolers, what they wanted their eighth graders to be as they moved into high school and high school, their seniors, as they moved on to, you know, college career work, you know, whatever they were going to be doing next. But um, it's really important. And, and I, you know, when I'm thinking future ready, I really, honestly, I wasn't thinking along those lines, but y'all are bringing that, those kind of things up more about the character traits of the kids or the skills of the kids, but right. I was thinking about future ready in such a different, you know, terms, but, but y'all right. have a great perspective on that. Um, well, I think our county, we, we work for a great county that is really working hard on those academic skills and mm-hmm. has lots of uh, strong teachers who are working on that also. So I feel like that kind of gives us a little bit of leeway to yeah. add, to take that, but go beyond it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and our county is also really uh, working hard on that social emotional aspect. Like I feel like they, they're trying to balance it. You know, we still need to catch them up academically, but we also need to work on these interactions and social skills mm-hmm. that, you know, definitely they had a deficit over time. Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah. So if you're working on all these things, I can pretty much guess you don't have quiet libraries. So, so talk about like, what is it like? What t- Just describe your libraries. Like, what is it like? So in, um, in my library, it's, we have uh, a lot of stations. So um, kids can come, you know, we, we still, we still have a classroom schedule, which might be different than middle school. You know, classes come once a week to do some sort of lesson. But I also have stations. So if you finish checking out books, you can go do coloring or you can go build with Kiva planks or you can go work on um, a puzzle. But then I also allow kids to come in during recess time um, if it's cold or rainy or they just need a break. 
So my library, I, I could be teaching a class on one section and there's kids building with uh, straws across the room doing something collaborative. So there could be multiple things going on at the same time in my space. So it can be kind of loud and um, not loud, but there can be a lot of buzz. Like I like her word buzz. There could be a lot of buzz going on. Could be kids in here eating lunch. They love to eat lunch in the library. That, that's one of their favorite privileges. Um, so fifth grade boys back in the corner eating lunch while I'm working with first graders on a lesson and we're building um, paper airplanes. And, uh, you know, sometimes the kids will come join each other. So yeah, okay. just that kind of activity going on is a good buzzy thing. So what, what you're describing, then you've got a class, but then there's also opportunities for other kids to come in that are not in the class. See, not everyone does that. So that's good to, to hear. I know, and I can't imagine that, like the, the older students, especially like love that to them, I think it feels like a freedom mm -hmm. when the, when they're allowed to come in and do, you know, we have certain parameters about your know, cooperation and not being, not disrupting and yeah. that sort of thing. But to them, I think it feels like a freedom, like, hey, I have another place I can go. I have another place I can go do something and be creative. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's, it's definitely not a very quiet spot. Um, you can find a quiet spot, but you'll yeah. have to kind of hard to find it. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Jessica? Our libraries are very similar. However, at the middle school level, we are not on a fixed schedule where you have, you know, you're your library day is Tuesday. We are a completely flex schedule. And with that, I meet with English classes for book checkouts about every two weeks. And then the days when I'm not doing that, I am collaborating across all content areas with you know, anything from science to PE to social studies on lessons that enhance their content. We do a lot of co-teaching. Teachers don't drop their kids off here. They do stay with them and we co-teach yeah. because that they have planning at another time. Unlike elementary, when right. Margaret has classes, that is that grade level's planning. planning. It's not like that with us. You come collaboratively during your class time. But just like Margaret's library, I can be teaching on one side and doing an activity with a class and other things are also going on. Students are still coming in to check out because they are not limited to only check out on their quote unquote library mm -hmm. day. They can check out at any time they want if a teacher sends them down. I also allow indoor recess in here, which is the, the basketball and the, the rubber darts, yeah, uh, the right. people playing <laughs> in the pool. Uh, right now, during lunch, I have the library open. We have a handful of students who are celebrating Ramadan right now. Mm. And because of that, they are fasting. So rather than be in the cafeteria where everyone around them is eating, oh, they awesome. come into the library during lunch and they could be in here where we're not eating and food's not right in front of their face and we've been playing games uh we played soccer <laughs> the other day in here um she still amazes me <laughs> so that again it's not quiet but it's when i say i love the chaos it it's not it's controlled chaos if that makes right. sense and like I said, you can find a quiet spot. I do have, I have a recording studio in here that has glass windows that I can see, but yeah. it's closed. Sometimes I'll send students in there to work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very fun. Very, very fun. I'm, I love listening to y'all stories with that. Um, so both of you mentioned the idea of check. I think you did too, Margaret, about checking out books 
Right. Um, do they, so do y'all have it set up like a checkout station and they know how to do that on their own or how, how do y'all manage that? In, element, in elementary, that I know that that's not common. Um, it's really hard for some librarians to allow kids to do that. Mm -hmm. But I have library helpers who are the older students who help younger students. And then yeah. um, we have open checkout. Of course, you check out on your library day. But if a teacher lets you come down, you can come check out anytime, even if I'm teaching. Usually you can just tell by the signal, um, the sound, if something's not checking yeah. out correctly and help yeah. them out. But yeah, open checkout, I think, is a must. Mm -hmm. Come get what you need when you need it. Yeah. So Jessica, how do you handle that? Do you have a para with you or? Well, I have, a, I'm lucky enough to have a para half day. Okay. So open checkouts and she does run that. And then I do not have library helpers in middle school that does get into more of a privacy issue because some of the material they are mm -hmm. checking out is a bit more sensitive in nature. So I don't typically have students check out other students. However, like I said, when I am teaching, it is always a co-teaching model so the kids who do come in to free checkout while I'm teaching either myself or I mean practically every teacher in this building now knows how to use destiny I've just slowly shown them so mm -hmm. one of us pops over and checks them out and I have a you know return bin that they can just return them and so if right. they are coming to return they can yeah do that so yeah, right. it's always open for checkout always mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. awesome very good. Yeah, there's all kinds of creative ways, you know, to set up little kiosks on the side, you know, where they can, I've even seen where little number pads are plugged in so they don't have to have like access to a whole, you know, computer desktop, but they can just, you know, punch in their number and yeah, and technology really helps with that. And I may look into that in the future. We've got some Chromebook kiosks now. So that is something I may transition to in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Of the day once my pair is gone. Mm -hmm. All right. So for the audience, um, if they're thinking, you know, I really need to start thinking about my kids in that future kind of ready way. And um, what would you say would be like some initial steps for them if they wanted to just start thinking about that and getting ready to get their library headed that way? I know I know for me, um, a couple of years ago, my transition into having stations and, and more uh, maker space type of things was I was very intentional about reading literature and getting out on social media and seeing what people were doing. Okay. Um, like Jessica mentioned at the beginning, that that's a super great way to connect because you don't have other people to bounce off of. We work in a county where we do have a good number of librarians that you can contact if you're needing some help. But yeah, reading and then just seeing what people are doing out there because there's people who are doing amazing things and yeah. I don't know a librarian yet who's not willing to share when you need help or when you just need some ideas or how did you do that and they'll send you stuff right within minutes yeah. so that connection is really important mm -hmm. and which social media have you personally found the most support from I, I for me it's been twitter okay um uh, especially the Virginia Association of School Librarians, um, getting on their hashtags, the Vassal, and then being involved, like I've been involved in Vassal, the Virginia Association of School Librarians, mm -hmm. and that has been awesome because you 
um, just sitting in meetings or something, you make connections and hear great ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and so you just, you learn a lot just by being around people, going to the conferences. Like I know we got away from that for a while, but when things get back to normal, going to conferences or being on um, virtual things that are offered, it's just amazing what you can learn. And you don't have to do it like somebody else. Right. Like I always say my best ideas are what I stole from someone because I, I take something and I'm like, oh, I can do it this way or this fits my personality or this fits my situation. And that's helped me to grow a lot is just taking something and then making it mine and how it makes me comfortable. Okay. What about you, Jessica? What would you think of as some first steps for people? I echo pretty much everything Margaret just said. I do think though, when you do look at other people's ideas, it, it can get overwhelming. So give yourself some grace and start small. Think of one thing you'd like to do first and focus on that. And then once you get really good at whatever that thing is, add another thing. Cause that does tend to happen where you go, oh my gosh, there's so many great things. I can't possibly do them all. And right. Or I can't do it as well. Right. Of course you can't do them all. You, yeah. you can do them as well, probably even better, but you know, just the same way you eat an elephant. I mean, <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's important to y'all both are mentioning social media things um, to remember that they're searchable, you know, just like Google, you know, or anything else you can search either for a hashtag or sometimes, you know, words, but um, that will really help you find what it is you're looking for so that you don't have the 3 million things <laughs> you know that right, the, that's, true. that's yeah. going on out there so just remember to search it search social media in the same way you might search google and it'll right. help you kind of get to always place. always be ready to look, be willing to learn and be like I, I can always learn something new like i said i've been a librarian now for a, a long time and mm -hmm. and there's always something new that you can try or learn like yeah. you never it never becomes I'm just a librarian. Yeah. Never yeah, just. Always, yeah. Yes. It's always something else that you can do or listen to your patrons. Mm -hmm. um, what kids, like I learn from the kids all the time, uh, what, what they're interested in, what they, what they know, and then learn from them and use that. Mm -hmm. um, that helps you to become a stronger librarian too. It mm -hmm. makes good connections with the students. Yeah. It's, it's okay to, to not know. And I always tell my kids, Guys, it's okay to be wrong, but it's not okay to stay wrong. And yeah. learning yeah. how to evolve from that. And don't be afraid to make a fool of yourself. I mean, I <laughs> I relish in the chance to embarrass myself daily. <laughs> and that's why you're in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you say things and then you realize, oh, in a middle school, I can't say that. Um, my Lego wall, currently I have a Lego wall in here and they were ever building and I walked over and Right now it says your mom, oh. <laughs> you know, middle school, right? Yeah. Right. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, ladies, it's been so much fun chatting with you. I was yeah. wrapping up. Is there like any kind of closing comments or tips or advice you want to share with our listeners? Well, I can tell you one thing. Being a librarian is the best job ever. Yes. Like I... I would, I love being in education, but I would cry if they told me I had to go back to the classroom again. <laughs> I, it's, it's, def, it's definitely a service for others. And I just feel like you gain so much in this job more than you ever give. So mm -hmm. it's just, it's the best job ever. I love it. 
being a librarian made me a better teacher. I mm. learned so much more about myself as a classroom teacher becoming a librarian. And I was actually, I was placed back into the classroom last year right. when we were virtual. One of our teachers was on maternity leave. And oh, so wow. I was doing library and teaching virtually. Oh, and at first I went, oh. and then when I did it, I was like, oh, okay. It's like riding a bike. I, I still know what I'm doing. <laughs> and actually I feel like I could do it even better in some sense than right. before I went into the library. I think you just yeah. gain a better understanding of yourself as an educator. Mm-hmm. Right. You feel like you have, you have, feel like you have better tools. Yeah. My toolkit yeah. is so much bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's huge. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always say. Um, schools are missing out on when they don't have certified librarians. Those teachers yeah. know what they're missing, you know, because yeah. that, that was my background. I, I was a teacher where there was not a librarian and oh. I went to library school. I was like, oh my gosh, if I had oh. known <laughs> this, right. Right. It everything. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. It is. It's one of the best jobs ever. And I, I can't imagine not doing it. Like mm-hmm. it, there's just so many benefits to being a librarian. Yeah. All right. Well, so Margaret and Jessica, um, for our listeners who are on social media, where will they find you so they can keep learning from you? Go ahead, Jessica. All right. Well, on Twitter and Instagram, my handle is at EMS, which is short for Elkton Middle School, where I teach powerhouse. And I call it the powerhouse because reading empowers you for life. So at EMS Powerhouse. And then I did I did a pandemic. Awesome. <laughs> I did a pandemic venture into TikTok. Okay. Um, and so now my kids and I have TikTok Tuesdays where they can bring an idea to me and I tell them as long as it is school appropriate and I can find a way to incorporate a book into the TikTok dance, something, whatever. I will TikTok. Um, so I'm not very, when I said, I love her. Yes. She's so brave. So that is at Kitta, K I T T A, my name, librarian. So at okay. Kitta Librarian on TikTok, uh, I'm a fool. Okay. <laughs> I'm a fool too, but not on social media. I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get Margaret cool. over to TikTok with me one day. No. Yes. I- yeah. I'm just a mellow person. I just have a Twitter at Alger Librarian. And then I, I'm on Facebook because that's where I connect with my parents the best, yeah. um, mm-hmm. where I try to let them know what's going on. So Riverbend Library is my yeah. Facebook. Yeah. And that's even a great yeah. point you just said, like your, your school, your professional social media is really geared at who the audience you need to address. You know, so right. Margaret, you need the parents and Jessica, yes. you need the kids. <laughs> yes. That's why Jessica's great at middle school. (laughs) All right. So Margaret, what about you? Where will they find you online? So I'm on the Twitter at Alger Librarian. Okay. And Facebook, just Riverbend Library. Yeah. I can't do the TikTok thing. It's just, and Instagram, I just don't get it. But the gram here's where the gram came from so i thought i was being revolutionary a few years ago and i'm like i'm gonna get a twitter i'm so cool and then i realized that on twitter it was great professionally but my kids couldn't care less they were like that's for no yeah that's for old people yeah so professionally so that's why i got the gram because all my kids are on the gram and uh yeah so But you're right. That's because her audience is her students more yeah. so than mine. I never thought about it that way, but yeah, it's where, it's where you reach your audience, but also where you grow professionally. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so ladies, it's been so much fun talking to you today. Um, I love what you're doing. And as you, as you kind of alluded to, it's what's best for kids. You're doing great things. And 
thank you for sharing everything today. And it's, uh, I look forward to following you and, and learning more alongside of you. So thanks, thanks for, for the opportunity. It was thank fantastic. You, it was enjoyable. We all have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Well, bye-bye.